There are many things about the cross that are very sobering. Things about the cross that lean heavily on the side of, you know, the opposite of what we would call rejoicing. And yet, it is apparent from the Apostle Paul's writings to the Corinthian church that as he, uh, you know, instructed them that it was to be a time of celebrating. Even though they had moved it past reasonable boundaries and borders in where it became, you know, more about self than about the victory of Christ, it is still... uh, Table of the Lord is a celebration. A celebration. So we have a passage of scripture. I just want to share just a few things with you tonight. Because you've you've been in, you know, Easter services and you know you've heard, you know, it over and over again, and that's nothing wrong with that. I hope I can give you just a little bit to help enrich and increase that understanding, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, just motivate and inspire our hearts and, and tap into this great love of the Lord and a very familiar scripture that everyone is familiar with and we use at this time of the season, you know, uh, more than at other times. But surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. The cross covers it all. What's the difference? Between iniquity, sin, and transgression. There are three words that are spoken about in the Bible, and this passage of Scripture talks about iniquities and transgressions. And when we use the word sin, we know that, you know, that's the, the umbrella. It all falls under that category. But just let me, you know... Divide just a little bit tonight. Sin means to miss the mark. All right? It can refer to something that's against God or against a person. Remember, we're talking about Christ covering it all. It is doing the opposite of what is right. It is... Something that will have negative results. It is failing to do something you know is right. God instituted sacrifices for unintentional sins. So in a general term, sin is... Falling short of the glory of God. See, you don't just have one category you need the cross for. 
the sin nature leads to trespassing. And a trespasser is someone who crosses the line or climbs a fence that he should not cross or climb. Think about it. Trespass can also mean to fall away after being close beside. Peter trespassed when he denied Jesus. It's possible to cross the line in thought, word, attitudes, and I don't know how many times a day. The Bible says we're to be quick to forgive others. I thank God for the blood. So that's sin. But now transgression refers to presumptuous sins or to transgress is to choose to intentionally disobey. It is a Willful trespassing. David referred to this kind of sin when he wrote, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. A simple Wrong, and I know this is pretty strict, but is when you knowingly run a stop sign. Tell a lie. Blatantly disregard authority. We're transgressing. See, it's just not the adulterer. So then there's iniquity. It's more deeply rooted. Iniquity refers to a premeded choice. He was bruised for our iniquities. To commit iniquity is to continue without repentance. Such as David's sin with Bathsheba that led to the killing of her husband, Uriah. That's iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions, our intentionals. He was bruised for our premeditated. We thought about it and we still made the decision. The scripture says, woe to those who plan iniquity. How many know that David planned Uriah's murder? To those who plot evil on their beds. Bedtime can be a dangerous place. (laughs) Come on, it's in there, church. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our 
iniquities. They plot it on night and they carry out it into tomorrow. And that's what David said in Psalms 51 and 2. He said, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. My. And of course, when iniquity is left unchecked, it leads to what Paul wrote in the Romans, a reprobate mind. And a reprobate mind then, you know, leads to complete downfall. The basic structures of life itself or the systems itself all of a sudden are weakened and eventually, you know, no longer pillars or signposts that are there. The wages of sin is death. How many know that's reason for the cross? Yep. That's why we're here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is a sin problem. The power and the dynamics and, you know, the influence and the destructiveness of sin was so great that God said, you know, I've got to send my son. And you know the story. But the cross. The cross. There are five sacrifices from the Old Testament that were taking place in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it is the burnt offering, the meal offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, and the one I want to talk a little bit about is the trespass or the restitution offering. There's a law of restitution. The law of restitution was that if you were, if you would steal something, take something, that when you were found that out, you had to restore it. You had to restore it. And in Jesus, he's doing something in these wounds and these bruises. The wages of sin is death. Death. But in order for there to be restitution, the fault and the wrong of the predator has to be also addressed. 
follow me. While death is a suffering, what is all of this that leads up to his dying for? Because the wages of sin is death. And yet, he suffered. He suffered. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, that, that, you know, that the heavens have to receive Jesus until the times of restitution of all things. To restore something that's lost, stolen to its proper owner. To recompense for injury or loss. You go to the courts in our time and you have a judgment passed that you have to make restitution. Restitution. Restitution has to do not only with the man to God, but man to man. Wrongs that happen in relationships. And he's a restorer. He's, he's the one that is, you know, that came and he was bruised for our iniquities to restore payment that would be the perpetrators, the crime that has taken place, and also for the wholeness of the victim. Now, I realize that's a really a used word today. Everybody's a victim. But in reality, if you have a perpetrator, you have a victim. And restitution is paid to the victim. My. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. You know what I mean? And he goes on to say, and within the framework, you know what I mean? To heal the broken hearted. Who are those? The victims. <laughs> the victims. To set the prisoner free, those that have been captured from and by a predator that has somehow preyed upon their life and their emotions, you know what I mean? And not just in things, but the well-being of their soul. Captured. And so when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, he's talking about more than just so you don't have to die. 
but so you can get your life back into wholeness. And this thing of restitution is so important to God that actually the Apostle Paul says there that the heavens are going to hold him until the full results and the acts of what God has come for is accomplished. Wonderful. The cross is... Whoa, I'll tell you, church. The psalmist wrote a little passage of scripture about what takes place when restitution begins to happen in people's lives and happens, you know, in their world. Because it's, it's, you have an inner world, but you also have an outer world. And a lot of times, God could heal your outer world, but if your inner world is not, not healed, you know, you won't even recognize that your outer world is healed. But then there are those that get a healing on their inner world, but don't really understand that God wants to address their outer world. But here's what Psalms said in Psalms 126, when the Lord brought restitution, when the Lord returned the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of great joy. The Lord has done great things for us. You see, the penalty for sin is not torture. Jesus went beyond death to torture. It says, he shall see the suffering and be satisfied with it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was bruised for our iniquities. He has put, on, put him to grief when he makes his soul an offering for sin. I mean, I don't want to get too deep here, you know what I mean? But when he makes his soul. How many know that it was his body and the blood of his body that was shed, you know what I mean, to deliver us from death and to cover our and wash us? But there's something that has to take place so that there can be a restitution or restoration of the, of the soul. So in restitution, the spiritual loss that happens, material loss, the personal loss, the debt, restitution from the predators. In other words, if you have an event in your life that takes place, people are haunted all many times throughout their lifetime. Never get free because they're tormented by it. 
it was Joel that said this. He said, I will restore. I will give restitution to that which, you know, when he goes and begins to talk about, I, I think there's seven of them, seven different worms in your life. <laughs> They come and can spoil. Some of them spoil the vine. Some of them spoil the fruit. Okay? Some of them spoil the root. I mean, those, those worms. Jesus said, I'm going to give a special package of grace to deal with and overcome whatever damage the predator has done in your life. The, the devil cometh but to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants us to be able to over, overcome that. You have to excuse me. My mouth is dry tonight. And my cup is empty. <laughs> The cross in Christ is the restitution offering. It's the restitution offering. The father saw it. He said he'll be satisfied with it. Covering all the bases. He was crushed for for our iniquities. He was bruised and he suffered to make whole. It says in the scripture, it says, when you make him a restitution offering. Thank you, Karen. Think about this suffering. He was scourged. He was scourged. You know, before they crucified him. It says he was beaten. It says that he was spit upon. Struck him with the palms of his hand of their hands, it says. Yes. He is taking all of those relational, all of those rejections, all of those, you know, not loving your neighbor as yourself. He's not trying to just get you through life. He's set upon giving you abundant life. They pulled his beard out. 
They crowned him with thorns. You all know those and those passages of scripture. There is evidence in the reflection of two dynamics of the power of God that's demonstrated in Jesus Christ. One is active power. He went about healing the sick, opened the blinded eyes, raising the dead, cleansing the leper. Active power. Scripture talks about the active power of God in our life. But in the last 12 hours of Jesus' life, the kind of power that he displayed was not active power, but passive power. Passive power. Yes, tried to, he did not respond to their beating. He said nothing to their accusations. When they spit upon him, he did not retaliate. And yet he has all this active power available to him. Don't you know that I can call 12 legions of angels and be be delivered from this post right now if I wish to? What would have happened if he would have used his active power at that time? Cross. Why is this important, Pastor Don? Because we need to know that there is a dynamic, you know what I mean, and a place for passive power. He opened not his mouth. In fact, because I believe the New Testament supports that in the passage of Scripture that we're to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And that's the secret church, or a secret, not the secret, a secret to victorious life is knowing when to use the active power of God and also the passive power of God because it's that power in its proper place that really is the power. The passive power was so influential at that time and at that that night that when after the three hours, I believe it was three hours, the centurion said, ah, truly, this was the Son of God. Why? Nobody can handle opposition Nobody can take somebody spitting on them and slapping them and, you know, and knocking them around and not retaliate. 
You know why we can love our enemies and do good to those that hate us? And, you know? Because Jesus fulfilled the law of restitution. See, in all of that, there is a dynamic or a release of power. Just like, you know, the blood has a release of power for us. So there's a reason why he was tormented. He was tormented for restitution. Yes, he was. Now, you know about so many things and, you know, the next thought I want to leave with you tonight and help you in your walk with the Lord is... Warriors get their heels bruised. He shall bruise your heel, but you shall crush his head. Whenever you are a warrior doing conflict and battle, I believe that the scripture indicates that our heels get bruised. We walk with bruised heels. Think about it now, church. Come on, let's see. You know. A conflict, an issue that's strong, that's difficult, you know? You're faced, you know what I mean? A, a good thing happens, and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? There is a negative thing, negative that comes alongside of it. It doesn't, re- it doesn't take it away, you know what I mean? But it leaves its effect. Because your heel in the warfare of your life as a warrior. Gets bruised. (laughs) Now. But he was bruised. The enemy continually strikes at your heel. Having a bad day? This thing is really practical, church. It really is. It's fundamental. You, you know, this is that person in your life, and they just, you're having a good day, and... Every time they come around, 
There is something that, boy. Yep. He's striking your heel. Even though your heel is being struck, you need to realize that you're crushing his head. If you don't defect, there is a crushing of that rule, that power, that influence in your life that's being diminished all the time. Oh, hallelujah. Yes. I, I just want to be so so easy, careful here, you know what I mean? Don't let your bruised heel stop you from crushing his head. <laughs> Church, listen. We get so drawn into our bruised heels. You can walk and fight and war with bruised heels. Paul writes to the Corinthians, I believe it was, and he says, God shall crush Satan under your feet shortly. The victory of the cross courses for our sin, but it's also for our living. Amen? Yes. Satan is really bold. He is not afraid to show up at the table of the Lord. David said this, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I want to show you how bold he is the night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He shows up. He showed up. He's trying to spoil the event. He's trying to spoil the hour. And as you read it, it says, you know what I mean? That he'd already, you know persuaded Judas but yet that night at the table plate it says Satan entered him it entered him 
There sits the Passover lamb. There sits the unfolding of the plan of God. He's so bold. It's not uncommon. It's not, it's very normal for him to show up. Creation has just gotten finished and life is just going wonderful. The future is bright. Hallelujah! I've got a, I've got a house on a river. And he shows up because he wants to spoil your party. And even if it is the table of the Lord. Let me make a suggestion to you. You just need to get on with the table. (laughs) We're going to finish this thing up. Wayne, you want to get the the young people. As we come to the table tonight, and we haven't just talked about the cross. I wanted to show you some of these things that, you know, it's beyond the general parameters of, of your thinking. Psalms 23, one passage of scripture that we all know so well and we quote, references The table. Thou preparest a table before me. This is not a normal table. It's not in Psalms 23, nor is this a normal table that we're talking about tonight. It's a banqueting table because it's been set was some the most amazing life affording you know provision all because of whose table it is it's a safe table it literally is a table of fest Festivity. (coughs) 
when Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the, in the cross. You know what I mean? He said, that's where I'm going to rejoice. That's where I'm going to celebrate. That's the reason that I'm going to get high. (laughs) is because of of the cross. So when you take Psalms 23, when you take the Passover lamb... And I'll, when you take the Lord's table that he instituted, you know, as a tool for us to remember, we see that it is a table, one of celebration. It's a table of victory. Psalms 23. It's a table of anointing. It's a table that's prepared before your enemies because he fought and won the victory. It's a table of exchange. Your sin, his righteousness, our sicknesses and disease and our hopelessness. It's a table regarding the future. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's a table that references, references our future home. Surely I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a table of protection. It's a table of promised provision or nourishment. It's a table where you are the guest of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes. You are a guest of God. Jesus has bought the ticket for you to be at this table. A name tag, a seat, Carrie, you want to come? Oh, hallelujah, a guest of God. It's a table that promises safe passages, safe passage through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Safe passage. 
it's the table of the promise of, of new life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it is the table of blessing. Now, all of those are blessings. But Paul captures it and puts it in that one word, and you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, Is not this the communion of the blood of the Lord, this cup of blessing? This cup of blessing. Yes. As you pass out the communion tonight, brethren, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is it true that there's some things that are not yet? Absolutely. The Bible says it's he that counts things that are not as though they were. I wonder if that's what we're supposed to do too. <laughs> is count things that are not as though they were. Based upon, of course, the promise and the assurance and the fact that when he said it's finished. Yes. It was the book of Hebrews in God's appeal to try to get his, his children to feel more free in coming in their hour and their time and for the blessing. table and this is the time and a moment you know what I mean when we kind of round up and kind of bring everything into a focus enough to have a visual but the table of the Lord never goes away it never goes away Give us this day our daily bread. It's the table. That's the table.
Yes, thank you, Lord. It's a table of triumph. When Jesus said, it's finished, he didn't go, it's finished. No. You know, the scripture says that that he looked through the scriptures and he saw that every one of them were fulfilled. It doesn't sound like someone that's, you know what I mean, is on his last breath. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not at all. That's someone that is coherent and alert and alive, you know, to the, the reality of the Word of God. You know, you know, when he said, when he, when he said, I thirst, the scripture said that that's something you got to do. You got to cry out, I thirst. And he saw that it was fulfilled and he gave up and cried, it's finished. It's finished. As you stand with me tonight, let me pray this prayer with us and for us, church. Lord, as we take this bread, we're reminded that you are the bread of life. You feed our souls, you nourish our hearts, and you give us strength so that we can run the race before us. And as we break this bread, we recognize the softness of your love, the fragrance of your grace. And you promise to release it every day into our lives. We not only remember the suffering for the restitution, but the purpose for our victory. Would you receive it in Jesus' name? And that same night as he took the juice or the wine and remember that you are the giver of life. You are forgiveness. You bring us peace to our souls and your love overflows within us. Tonight, God, we notice the depth of your goodness the pain that you suffered and the price you paid to set set us free. Just as the stone was rolled away, we ask for you to roll away. To unleash the light that it would shine in our hearts. That you would extinguish the darkness and release heaven's blessings upon us Father tonight 
I pray for the families, the extended families, those that are not here in this house. God, but there would be an assembly of angels who will begin to visit the wayward. Those that are have been victims. Those that have been predators. And let the redeem in grace of the cross and Christ reach into their hearts, reach into their minds, reach into their lives. Meet them on the street, Lord. Meet them upon their beds. Call them forth out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. All because, oh Lord, there is forgiveness with you would you receive it hallelujah I know that you got your that cup in your hand but would you just lift your hands and arms and in your own just individual way just caring of them singing let's have some flashbacks let's have some flash forwards Thank you, Lord. God, there needs to be some restitutions. Broken relationships. Broken hearts. Shattered faith. Spoiled blessings. heels tonight thank you for helping us walk and run and be a warrior with bruised heels I feel the Lord and here's what he's what he's telling me and saying and that is do you recognize the Lord's table that's in your life? See, the Lord's table is not just a table that we have gathered here tonight, but it's the arrangement that God has made and given in your life. The job that you have, the home, the family, the friends. It's the table of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. 
that friendship that you got? Don't despise the provision and the means and the way that God has went ahead and set your table. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God meets your spiritual need oftentimes by very physical provisions. He does. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise. Yes. It's time to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you for today. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my family. I know this is just basics, but this is what he's saying. That is your spiritual revival. That is your spiritual renewal. That is your green pastures. That is the streams of living water flowing all around you. Oh, hallelujah. You see, you never know what the table of the Lord looks like. The Bible says to the children of Israel, every morning, all of a sudden they'd walk outside their tent and there on the ground, was the table of the Lord. But you know what? They got tired of picking up. They got tired of gathering. They began to complain about the table. Their daily life. The routine of it. But it's the provision of the table of the Lord. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Church, do you hear the voice of God tonight? Hallelujah. I want to pray tonight for those children that are away. They have a seat at the table and yet they're not gathering at mealtimes. For the wayward. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. His heart was so moved and so purposeful, and ours must be too. (coughs) Father, tonight, as we pray for sons and daughters, as we pray for brothers and sisters, And to whatever extension it might be on the heart of each individual tonight. We call them home, Lord. Yes. Yes. 
call them home. Yes. It's time, Father. We blow the trumpet. The release of them from the prisons that have captured them. The disillusionment. Oh, Father, I thank you for the return of the wayward. I thank you for the return of the prodigals. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the renewing. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Why your son hung on the cross. Bring restitution into their lives. Oh, in Jesus' wonderful name. Go with God because he's promised to go with you. Amen. Go with confidence. Go with assurance. Because the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. We've got to get a hold of it, church. You know, this is not poetry. Come on, this is not poetry. We're just not trying to recite something. No. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. God bless you. Give the Lord a praise. Love one another. Amen. Come out Sunday. Special speaker. God bless you. Jesus' name.